Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Each of my guests is someone who has done just that. No matter what circumstances they were in, no matter how difficult they were, no matter what they were facing, they had the tenacity and the determination to not give up. And as a result, each one of them was successful as victors instead of victims. And I know that this is a message that we never tire of hearing when someone has overcome some kind of tragedy or circumstance in their life and they're actually a better person for it. I also am a firm believer that everyone has a story. No matter where we are on this planet, we have a story. We have a story to share. And when we do share our stories, we help others. Because we don't know who out there has possibly endured something similar to us. And when we share our stories, often people will come back and say, you lived my life. I can't believe, you know, the same thing that happened to you happened to me. And they have that ability to, to relate and be encouraged by what you went through. And that's exactly what my guests do. They give encouragement and they also give tips on how to survive the worst of traumas. Many of them are authors and coaches, inspirational speakers, and they want to help us gain insight and tips how we too can become successful. So I thank you to all my guests for their phenomenal, incredible stories and also to my listeners because without you guys, we wouldn't have a show. And I thank you for the feedback and your continuing support. With me today, I have a gal that I interviewed a couple years ago and she has more to share. She's going to summarize a little bit of what uh, our first interview was about because she is a person who has been through it, through more grief than most of us would ever think of being able to handle. And when we hear stories of people who have been through a trauma, such as the loss of a child, and we wonder how we could ever cope, well, imagine someone who that was only one of two children that they lost. Fran lost two children, and she also uh, was a victim of parental suicide, which she's going to share too. So welcome, Fran Sandin. 
Hi, Carol. I'm so happy to be with you today. And I'm happy that we get a chance to ch- chat again. And I know you have mm-hmm. a new book out, so we're, we're going to talk about both of your books today as well. But first of all, as I mentioned in the beginning here, you have suffered three major losses in your life. Uh, your son, Jeffrey, your son, Steve, and your father. So could you capsulize that for our listeners who did not hear your story before? Yes. Um, Our son, Jeffrey, was 17 months old when he um, died of bacterial meningitis, and that was in uh, 1974, before they had a vaccine against bacterial meningitis. And then my father was a World War II veteran, Uh, He retired from his mechanic shop and became deeply depressed, and he died of suicide at the age of 71, and that was in 1991. And then our son, Steve, um, had just obtained a Master of Physical Therapy degree and became ill at the age of 29 and was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. And then a short time later, he was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease of the kidneys, IgA nephropathy, that led to kidney failure. And so for 14 years, he was ill. The last seven, he was on dialysis, and he passed away at the age of 43 in 2012. And also my mother passed away in 2016. That is an incredible amount of suffering and grief and loss for any one person or one family to endure. And I am sure, and this is what you're going to share today, that through these experiences, you grew into a probably a much stronger person you learned a lot and now you want to give back and share with other people what you have learned through that and so for that and for stepping up and doing that today I really appreciate it thank you so much Fran Mm -hmm. before we get into some of the things that we're going to talk about today share a little bit about those three experiences and what your emotion were what what you were were you getting stronger I mean the shock how did you prepare yourself just share a little bit about um, looking back into what you did each time okay well uh, the crisis that came I I realized that um, shock and denial are normal responses and uh, weeping is an important part of the grieving process. So um, when our son died suddenly of bacterial meningitis, it took me a long time to really um, come to grips with the reality of his departure. It was very, very difficult. We had a five-year-old son, a three-year-old daughter, and now our little baby was gone. And so... Even though at first, even though we know uh, uh, mentally that our that something bad has happened, whether it's the loss of a loved one or some other disastrous event, uh, we are in shock. And I think that's one way that God prepares us or helps us because uh, we can't take it all in. 
Uh, mm-hmm. It takes it takes a little time for the emotions to catch up with the reality. When my dad passed away, I was <clears throat> very. Uh, it really upset me a lot because he was a very kind-hearted person, and he had never. Uh, had any inclination toward violence or anything. So when he shot himself um, and died, my brother, sister, and I were just totally shocked. And as, as I was recovering from that, I had a lot of guilt. I had a lot of questions. I had visited with my dad a few days before he took his life. And I was thinking that I should have done something to help him or in some way I could have prevented what happened. So I went through a lot of times when I was just feeling a lot of guilt and I was, I was feeling shame because I didn't feel like that represented my dad at all. He was a, a Christian man. He was... Uh, always helping people and uh, he was such a wonderful person and I just couldn't quite deal with it and one day um, I was asking God to help me and I went to the book of Psalms in the Bible and it really helped me to to realize that God understood my grief and that he would help me I felt like I grew through these experiences that I had with loss. I think that's probably generally what happens. I think we can go one way or the other, right? Either you can get angry and stay angry and, you know, you can't understand, or you can take what, you know, that grief and turn it into a strength, which is obviously Mm -hmm. what you did. Mm-hmm. And that leads me to my next question, which is, we often hear about the several stages of grief, which are different than the ones that you had listed here. I thought that was interesting. So what are the three stages of grief that you share? Okay, I was able to come up with these three, the crisis, the crucible, and construction. And the first of all is the crisis, and shock and denial are the normal responses that we have to any kind of crisis when we something sudden happens that we don't expect. And it's also weeping during the crisis time is an important part of the grieving process. So um, I feel like in the crisis, we are dealing with a difficulty in coming to grips with reality. Mentally, we know that this terrible thing has happened, but emotionally, it, it really takes time for the, the truth of it to really come, come into our lives because we, don't, we want to deny that that has happened. I know when our, our little son died uh, at 17 months, um, it really took me several months even to get through the grieving part, the crisis part, 
because I wanted to think that he would actually come back. But Oh, wow. It took me time to realize that he was not coming back, that he was gone, that he was gone. And so that the crisis part is very, um, it starts suddenly, but it may take a while to get through. And then the next part is the crucible. The crucible um, is a container for melting ore. And so we, I could call it the fiery trial. And it, it has a difficult, it's a difficult time because it's characterized by questions, doubts, and guilt. Wow. And everybody enters a crisis with a different kind of personality and temperaments. So we never can say to somebody, oh, I know just how you feel, because everyone deals with a crisis differently. So I, I think during the crucible is the most difficult time, because some people ha- deal with anger, some with fear, uh, loneliness, or they may have, they want to blame somebody, or they may even have physical problems. Um I know after our our baby died, I was having trouble with my heart. I had pain around my heart. And I went to the doctor, and there was nothing wrong with me, but he said it was stress from the loss of our baby. They now recognize broken heart syndrome, too. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's what you were going through. And you, yeah. su- and you survived it. <clears throat> yes, yes. And so, I, I would like to say that this is the most difficult part that we go through because um, just it's kind of a dangerous zone because we may question God's love for us and we also want to dull the pain. And so, some people turn to unhealthy ways of dealing with it, such as um, eating too much, um, using drugs or alcohol to dull the pain. There's no anesthetic. It's difficult to go through grief. And so... There's no fast way is basically what you're saying, right? You have to go through the the whole thing. Right, right. And and what about when people... um, I'll just interject this here and you can continue where you left off as well. But Mm -hmm. what about people who are in denial? Huh. Is that, is that in this in this time period in the crucible time period? Yes, yes, it can be, and um, it's you know I think you know we are totally out of control, and I I think most people like to have their lives all lined up in a row, and their when their plans are brushed aside and and they have to deal with something really difficult, um, it's hard. And so it's easy to get off in, into denial and not wanting to face the facts because they are difficult facts to face. Also, I had some very good friends that I was able to talk with and just to pour out my heart to. 
And I think it's very good for us to uh, let our grief out and not to try to hold it all inside. Because I think it, there is a tendency uh, for some people to just feel very angry about what's happened. I think sometimes if you can just get it out and talk about it and have someone sympathetic who is listening to you and um, who's right on with you, uh, he, even people who will cry with you. I had a friend and sometimes I would come over and I would talk a, l- a little bit and then I'd just start crying and she'd cry too. And it was like very beneficial because I always felt better after I talked it out. And so there are different ways that we can deal with this crucible, but that's just some ways that we can. And the third part of that? Okay, this is the good part. Finally, finally, we get to an emotional recovery. But recovery takes time. And sometimes we take three steps forward and then we fall back too. But at last, a time comes when our thoughts are not always on the death or the loss. We do not forget the person that we loved who passed away. Never, never. But our memories of them can be centered on the happy times that we had and not so much on the death. So during this phase, we realized that we are still here. For me, I knew that my loved ones were in heaven and I could look forward to being with them someday. In the construction phase, we can look for for new paths to take and, and not just be dwelling all the time on our loss. And for some people, this can be... Um, painting or volunteer work. Uh, I know someone who took up nursing home ministries and the opportunities are just unlimited. And for me, it was writing. Uh, I started writing my prayers during all this difficult time and that made me interested then in writing in order to help other families deal with loss. A construction phase idea is to think of something positive about your loved one, whether it's joyfulness or honesty, courage, and incorporate that into your own life so that a characteristic of that person can live on in you. That is essentially changing (laughs) your focus, right? Yes, yes. So we're looking ahead instead of looking back. If we do look back, we're, we're looking for the happy things and the good things. I admired my son, Steve, for his faith and his perseverance during his illness. And he taught, so much, taught me so much about just having courage when things are not going well. And for him to focus on more on his character and his spiritual condition was really encouraging to me. So I've thought of, I want to do that in my life to help other people. Isn't that amazing? You hear that so often where people who 
seem to be going through such an awful time in their lives can can actually be a joy to be around. Absolutely. Because, because where their focus is and how they are addressing, you know, whatever the, the circumstance is and their attitude, and it rubs off, just like the mm-hmm. opposite rubs off in a negative way. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's an excellent point. Yes. And another thing during the um, construction period is to think of things that you can be thankful for. And I started thanking God that I, I had little Jeffrey for 17 months. I thanked God for the good qualities that my dad had and the things that he taught me, um, the things that my mother taught me before she passed away, all the things that I learned from Steve and his, the way he cared for himself in such an excellent way and had such a great attitude. And so, you know, I think we can make a list, a thank you list of things that we are thankful for. I wanted to share with your listeners that I'm thankful for my daughter, Angie. Uh, She married a wonderful man, and they gave us three fabulous grandchildren. (laughs) So I am very thankful. I'm very blessed every day. And so I think that's a good part of the construction time of moving forward is uh, having a thankful spirit. One of the things that I'd like to back up and and talk about a little bit, because I think this is an area where a lot of people struggle, that is the area of guilt and shame. Now, in your case, you mentioned it regarding your father's suicide, but also mm-hmm. you mentioned it when you feel guilty because... It's taking so long for you to get over whatever it was that you went through. So two Mm -hmm. very different forms of guilt, but yet Mm -hmm. they really can be debilitating. So share a little bit about your thoughts on that. I think guilt, sometimes guilt is real and we've done something wrong and we're guilty about it and we know that it's wrong. But there's also something I think is false guilt in which we don't really have the responsibility for what we're taking responsibility for. If someone makes a decision and it doesn't agree with you, you can't feel guilty about their decision because you can't control that other person. And so it's... I think you have to say, is this a true guilt or is this false guilt where our condemnation is coming to us from an outside source? It's, it's not really true guilt. And I think recognizing the difference helps us to deal with it and understand that we cannot be responsible for someone else's decisions. One of the things that of course, regarding suicide and depression and some of the things that we may or may feel guilty about because we, when we lose somebody, we're thinking, what I could have done or why didn't I notice? And I think that that's very common. Mm -hmm. But what are some ways that we can maybe look for, observe for, and show that we care without maybe getting into somebody's personal space is that do you understand what I'm saying and is that is that even an option I 
I struggled a lot after my dad's suicide, but I I didn't really I was kind of in denial about his depression because he was going to a medical doctor, he was taking an antidepressant medication. So I was kind of in denial about the severity of his depression. Recently, a counselor told me that if we know someone who appears to be severely depressed, then it's good to ask these questions. And the first one is, have you thought about suicide? And then, do you have, have you made a plan? And do you have what is needed to fulfill your plan? The counselor said that maybe if a person has really made a plan, they would have a lifting of their spirits for a few days. What do you mean by plan? Well, like if they decided they were going to kill themselves with a gun. Just for an example, we had a friend whose husband, this girl, I said, does your husband have guns in his house? And she said, Mm. yes, we do. We do have guns. I said, you must remove the guns from your house. And she thanked me because he had been in the military service and he did have um, more than one. And so she thanked me for that. And she, she did that and he eventually got through his depression. Really but interesting. That, that's just an example of what I'm talking about. I, I think sometimes we don't confront the issue of the possibility and well, there's a fear around that, isn't there, of offending somebody? or? Yes. Yes, that's true. And I don't know if I would have been able to ask my dad that at the time. But if I had realized how depressed he really was, I think I would have. It's, it's a loving thing to do because if someone actually tells what they're planning to do, then maybe you would be able to get them to a hospital. You know, people need, people who are really depressed need professional help. They need a combination of counseling and I think some kind of a physical exercise program and, if necessary, medication. But medication alone is not enough. They need to get counseling, find out what is the root of this depression and some things that can be done to help. There's a possibility of suicide even when someone is taking medication because sometimes it takes a couple of weeks or more for the medication to really kick in. Mm-hmm. And that was the deal with my my father. That's a good point. That's a mm-hmm. good point. Now, you, you have written many articles and been a contributor to magazines and other books etc and you've also written two books now let's talk about them individually the first one see you later jeffrey and and also are they written as memoirs or self-help uh share a little bit about each one of your books okay um about two years after jeffrey died i felt prompting me to write a book to help other parents who'd gone through grief. I was still searching the answers to some of my questions, and they were questions that I felt other parents were asking, 
like, is God punishing me? And does God really answer prayer? Will I ever get over this? Uh, how do I ever mm-hmm. overcome fear? So I was trying to find answers to those questions, and that is what my book is about. It's answering the questions that parents ask after they've experienced the death of a child. And But it tells your story, too. Is that correct? Yes. It's, yes, okay. it does. Okay. Yeah. And your second book. Okay, my second book is Touching the Clouds, and it's true stories uh, of women who've gone through difficult circumstances. I interviewed 15 women and told their story and then identified an element of faith that they exhibited in their story. Now, are these all stories along the area of grief, or what type of stories? It's a variety of stories. Um, Actually, one of them was a mother and daughter relationship where the daughter had bulimia. Uh, There's a mother whose son was an an alcoholic, and uh, then there was one with... um, mother who had a Down syndrome baby, another that lost a baby, a stillborn baby. Another one is a college girl that she worked in a condom store. She went to the condom store to visit a a girl, and I won't tell everything that happened, but (laughs) (laughs) it was a very interesting story. So there's a real variety is what you're saying. Oh, yes. Yes, very much so. And that book is was originally published by Nav Press. And then when it went out of print, it is available on Amazon. And it's true stories uh, to strengthen your faith. Well, that's quite a variety. I appreciate you sharing that. Now, why don't you, in summary, just share the message that you want to share with the audience today? regarding all the grief, the trauma, Mm -hmm. your strength, whatever you want to share. I just want to let you know that um, as as a believer, we do not grieve as, as those who have no hope. And I have hope and I have joy because I know that my loved ones will be waiting for me in heaven. I also wanted to say that Dr. Joseph Bailey experienced the death of three of his children, and he wrote, Never forget in the darkness what you learned in the light. Uh And I think the more we strengthen our faith and grow, that is the light that we need to face the dark times that come into our lives. And I'm so thankful that I've had the opportunity to do that. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you for sharing from your heart. I know that no matter how many years has gone by, there's when we talk about our loss, it, it triggers emotions, it triggers memories. And I thank you for sharing those memories with us and what you went through and especially what you learned. I think that that is why we share our stories, as I mentioned earlier on the top of the show, is to help somebody else get through their grief, their loss, from what we have learned going through ours. And so I thank you, Fran, and we will certainly have your books available and uh, your story available 
on the show notes. And you have been an awesome guest today on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Thank you so much, Fran. Oh, thank you, Carol. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.